No Holding Back podcast featuring MPs Ian Lavery, member for Wandsbeck. Rishi Sunak, has Johnson got any idea what that extra £20 actually means for mm. ordinary people in communities like ours? No, you know, it, it could mean the difference for, for a substantial meal for kids, putting a bit of bread on the table, maybe getting a pair of shoes for the kids to get to school or a, or a decent cupboard. For heaven's sake, we've got to make sure we actually do level up. John Trickett, member for Hemsworth. The incidence of COVID is also has been the greatest in those northern seats as well. Mm. We've got to untangle all this. And that is why no holding back is so important because our analysis starts and ends with class. Because this is a society divided by class, mm -hmm. deprivation, poverty, poor housing, poor health. And former crew MP Laura Smith. I was out on a, a socially distanced rally the other day for the NHF fighting for a pay rise and people were going past and they were beeping their horns and fully supporting them. Why are we out there having to beg and make noise about the fact that our key workers, the people who have seen us through this pandemic, deserve to have a pay rise? They'll discuss the issues of working class communities, celebrating the culture, the solidarity, the divides, and how the working class vote can be won back for Labour. Join the three for this weekly podcast for passionate and heartfelt discussion. Hi and welcome to what is our final edition of the No Holding Back podcast before we break up for Christmas. And first of all, I think John and Ian and myself just need to say a huge thank you to everybody who has been tuning in and sharing the podcast our Brilliant. numbers are going up week after week and we really appreciate it please please keep on sharing so Ian hello how are you this week I'm very very good Laura but um, very very concerned at the same time lots of concerns about what's happening in the country with COVID-19 and you know, Christmas is coming. It's a very bleak situation. We're very concerned about that, coupled with Brexit, of course. What on earth is going to happen with Brexit? I'm sure we'll have a, a great discussion uh, in this this version of the podcast, I. Yeah, I mean, it's only a few small things for us to be thinking about, isn't it? John, how are you? You've kind of rushed here to yeah, take part in the podcast from Parliament. How's, yeah, how's I've just been to you? Parliament. I gave, uh, I gave the Tory minister a bit of stick, which I always what? enjoy doing. I told him he'd live hey. in a privileged bubble. I said, you live in a privileged bubble. You should get out and find out what the world's all about. But yeah, I mean, Christmas, it's two things, isn't it? It's a time to think about others, family and people um, in difficult circumstances. But this Christmas is not like any other we've lived through. And it's a time to be a little bit angry as well, I think. A little bit angry about what they've done to our country, how they've handled the crisis, people dying unnecessarily, all those things. No doubt we might talk about that. But on the whole, yeah, I think just to say to everybody who's listened to us, who's supported us, thank you very much. Merry Christmas. The new year promised a big bang from no holding back. Absolutely. And we will be kind of talking about these things because this episode's a little bit different because it's Christmas and, you know, last Saturday it was 12 months on since the general election results. We <clears> kind <throat> of decided we'd have a little bit of a reflection and think about what's happened and what needs to come next and what we will be pushing for. But before we get on to that, we do have our weekly rage feature 
Um, I want to do it. Well, that's all right because it's your turn. Because at the oh, moment, <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, okay. at the moment, we're kind of pretending that we're picking them out at random, but <laughs> we seem to just be going around in a circle, don't we? Yeah, so it's John's cool. turn today, and uh, <laughs> yeah. the topic, John, that you are going to talk about is perfect for you. It is the British establishment. Excellent. And if you will give me just a second to start my clock, because let's face it, you don't trust me with it. I like to make sure I've got myself covered. One minute is starting okay. now. Right, let me tell you something. Since I were born, there's been 15 British prime ministers. 11 of them went to Oxford University. 11 out of 15. Five of them went to Blooming Eton School privilege 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 in the since the 10 years since the Tories took over we've had three Tory prime ministers two of them went to Eton and they all three went to Oxford hey and this country is in decline it's been in decline now for decades and it's the fault of the British ruling class the British establishment whatever you want to call it I was just thinking about John Le Carre who died yesterday he went to a posh school but he charted the decline of Britain as a society which cared for each other, which was a strong society, and he criticised the British establishment. Look, Cameron, what did he do? He promised we're all in together, and he larded money off to the billionaires, took money from the rest. Well, I didn't even have to talk to him about what Boris has done, but he's done the similar thing, but we're knobs on. Let me make a proposal. Let me make a proposal. No more prime ministers for the rest of this century from Eton, because they always finish up with the country being worse than it was when it start, when they started. There's a proposal. Hear, 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 hear. Totally with you. In fact, I think we need to make sure that the next Prime Minister is from either the North East, the North West, hey, or from Yorkshire. Hey, um, hey, not that we're biased or anything, guys. <laughs> so, like I was saying before, when I was thinking about this podcast and what we should focus on, I was kind of struck by the need to take stock of the year, to reflect on what's happened um, in this last 12 months. I've never experienced anything like it from, first of all, back on the 12th of December 2019, losing the general election, losing my seat, and then just going on this kind of mad year along with you guys becoming part of the No Holding Back crowd. And then along the way, we have had huge major things happen. We all know that we've had this pandemic to deal with. We've never experienced anything like it. None of us will have, you know, in, in well, ever. The, it's a whole new thing for us. So we need to talk about that first. John. Yeah. Actually, no, John, I'm not coming to you because I've just come to you. So this is what happens. Mm. It's getting to like the mm. end of the year. I'm so tired. My brain's not working. Ian, I'm going to come over to you first. How are you feeling kind of if you look back to this time last year when, you know, it was very difficult, but we, we didn't quite know what was round the corner. We'd started to hear the murmurings of, of what was happening kind of with obviously with Brexit and what that was looking like. How are you feeling a year after that general election? Depressed, dejected, deflated, despondent. You know, Laura yeah, had just lost her seat, you know, like a, a couple of days ago, a year ago, uh, and I was still in a dark room then thinking about the future of this country under a, a Boris Johnson uh, government and thinking about, you know, what the, the election results actually meant. But very soon, you know, after the after the Christmas, we start to 
to realise as a country that this COVID-19, despite the fact that Boris Johnson and his cronies are, are peddling the bulldog spirit, we were soon to recognise that this COVID-19 was actually coming to our lands, to our shores. But the reality is we were very, very, very slow to tackle COVID-19, you know. Johnson, as I said, he, you know, when, when, once we knew that there was cases of COVID-19, uh, we did very little as a country. Johnson was on the television saying that, you know, we'll get through this. It, pretty much the same as his Brexit messaging was, we'll get through this. It's only a little bit like the flu. Uh, it, it, it'll be gone by eight to ten weeks. Everything that this man has said has been inaccurate, incorrect. We, we need to recognise the feelings of this country because the feelings of this country with regard to COVID-19, the catalogue of catastrophic failures and delays and dithering has meant the lives of tens of thousands of people. Shouldn't forget, you know, when this first came to our shores, Whitney and his team and Johnson and his team and Hancock and all the other cronies were saying that we'll get away uh, with possibly 20,000 deaths, and it might just be okay. That would, and as we speak, we're nearing probably more than 80,000 deaths because we shouldn't forget we recalculated the deaths, you know, like halfway through. Yeah. And there wasn't very much in terms of holding the government to account. So it's been really desperate. And uh, COVID-19, is it's, it's proven to be deadly in this country, the worst country in the Western world other, other than uh, America. Worst country in Europe. Uh, and, you know, we've got to make sure that uh, we... We hold the government's feet to account for such a disaster. Absolutely. I, I was actually talking, my sister lives over in Italy and it was just before my 35th birthday last year and she was just saying she could not believe that we were looking at what was happening in Italy and yet reacting in the way that we were. And the, the people who she knew and, and lived over there, they just couldn't believe that we weren't shutting down the country, that we weren't taking this pandemic seriously. And I think it's vital. Um, and we've kind of become a little bit used to bad news. You do, don't you? Because it's a coping way of coping. But we can't let the government get away with this. We have to, at some point, have that public inquiry into what's happened and, and the handling of this, this pandemic from the start, really right up to now don't you what do you think about that John yeah I think that's absolutely right I mean it's been a very very difficult year to say the least but you know there's a link between the election result and the impact of Covid it's a funny business this but you look at the areas which turned to the Tories because Tories were pro promising political change in the form of Brexit a lot of those areas have suffered the worst as a result of COVID. And by the way, it's those same areas often, you know, were well held back in mm. economic terms. I've just, as I've just said, been in the Commons. Before COVID started, after 10 years of a Tory government, the average resident in my patch is £5,000 a year worse off than the average, not the richest, just the average, 5000 That's £100 a week. But there is a third of them now on furlough, which means they've lost another £100 a week because they're mm. only in 80%. So altogether, that's £200 a week, which is £10,000 a year. Now, 
obviously we returned the Labour MP, but only just. We've got to understand. And also, by the way, COVID, the incidence of COVID is also has been the greatest in those northern seats as well. Mm. We've got to untangle all this. And that is why holding back is so important, because our analysis starts and ends with class, because this is a society divided by class, mm-hmm. deprivation, poverty, poor housing, poor health, people dying younger than they were five years ago, on average. All of that is interconnected together. It's a Tory society. My final point is this, Labour, the Labour leadership. You know, it's time that the Labour leadership clearly reflected what's happening in our country. Listened, I would hope they would listen to the holding back because I think we're about right. Well, certainly for me, and you guys are so right, this has been such a difficult year. It's been difficult for everybody. The loss that people have experienced this, this year, uh, be it the loss of life, the loss of job, the loss of security, the loss of freedom to, to an extent as well. It's been very, very challenging. I have to say that one of the things that really made this year positive for me was being able to go on our no holding back tour because what the three of us basically decided to do was to put into action what so many people were saying after the general election and we wanted to go and listen and listen to what people who have been involved in our in our movement involved in our politics involved in our communities find out what they thought, uh, what they thought had gone wrong and what they thought needed to happen. And this tour coincided then with exactly what you were saying, John, the pandemic, which has exposed the fact that our society does not work for the many. It simply doesn't. And it's time we need to be able to build an economy that does work for, for everybody. And people are starting to see the cracks that are showing. We know that there are so many people who are entering Christmas concerned and worried about their employment. We're seeing more strike action happening. Ian, how's it feeling over in in Wandsbeck? You and John, you know, you're both carrying out the roles of a member of parliament and talking to people in the community every day. How how's your community? Well, you know, what, we, what we're what we talking about, what No Holding Back has been about is exposing these uh, inequalities up and down the country, listening to what people have got to say. And I've got to say it's been amazing working with yourself, Laura, and, and John. And we've got a great uh, team behind with great ops team as well. Thanks to Alan. And, well, you know, like just even this morning, Sir Michael Marmot, uh, yeah. who's, who's known for his landmark work on yeah, the, yeah. the social determinants of health. He's released a report called Bill Back Fairer. And what, what he argues in this report is that the, the families at the bottom of the social and economic scale were missing out way before the pandemic and are suffering even more now, losing health, jobs, lives and educational opportunities. That's what Marmot's saying. Uh, and, and that's what we discovered during what were fantastic discussions with people up and down the country. This uh, COVID-19 has only exposed the inequalities in communities up and down this country, working class communities. In Wandsbeck, we're experiencing exactly what the, the Marmot report actually says. Build back fairer, of course, because, you know, we see this on a regular basis. The economy uh, is needed. The economy that works for everyone, not just the privileged few, not just the rich. We need an economy 
that works for everyone. It's really yeah, yeah. difficult, Laura. It really is. And people lack trust in politicians. You know, you've got to earn trust. There's just this complete lack of, of trust now. Mm. I don't, can you believe anybody on these Downing Street press conferences? Can you believe anything anybody says anymore? That's from the politicians. If there's anything yeah. that looks remotely positive, Johnson's up there with a bulldog spirit. Anything remotely desperate or, or bleak, then they've got Matt Hancock or other junior ministers on there to, to front the press releases. And we shouldn't forget, of course, you know, up here in the northeast, this is where Dom Cummins, Dominic, the hero, the man who actually was running the country until only a few weeks ago, uh, this is where he came up with his wife and his family and, and denied it until he was caught yeah. out, ended up in the Rose Garden, they down the street telling everybody not to believe anybody else other than him. So we've got huge issues. And, you know, the problem is I think lots of people have lost trust in politicians. You cannot believe a single word, not just the politicians, by the way. I think people have lost the trust in the likes of Valence and the likes of if, if, if Witty because, you know, they have been contradictory week after week in the fall in line with whatever the government actually said, despite the fact that the government veered away from scientific advice with regard to the, uh, the, the COVID-19 all the way through this pandemic. So yeah. lack of trust, we need to get re regain that trust in these communities. Um, we can only do that by getting out there, revitalising, as John keeps saying, you know, reigniting that, uh, that flame that uh, we bring the, the working people and the, the, the people in our communities together uh, and we listen to what they say. They've had some bleak times. We're all experienced very bleak times. Hopefully it's better times ahead. Can I just come in on that? Because I, I don't want to give a completely bleak picture, though it is pretty bleak. But I, by the way, I've never trusted the British establishment. Never. I never have. And one day I'll tell the story about when I was kicked out of school and, and what my granddad said to me, but not now. I don't trust them. There's an old socialist expression. Actually, it's more than socialist. It goes back into history. Put not thy faith in leaders. And I don't. And I never have. And I never will. And I never really wanted to be a leader of the Labour movement, though you end up doing things, you know, on your way. But look, the thing is, what's important is, Put aside the ruling class, the British establishment, the political clique, the rotten system, a system that's broken. Think about people down every street, around every corner, in every community, pulling together, pulling together in spite of what's happened to our country, in spite of the fact that it's broken. And I, I just am inspired. I saw yeah. someone, I'll tell you the night, a bloke, he's 80, he's still a postie, he's been a postie for 30 years. And everywhere he goes, there's people thanking him and clapping him. And he's out there and thick and thin through winter and summer. I think about the women collecting clothes to give to kids in our area, older people coming together to provide food for people who are hungry, the working class coming together. And there's another old phrase, the emancipation of the working class can only be achieved by the working class itself. So mm -hmm. I want to see a different kind of politics. It's what it animated me from the day I got involved in politics in the 1960s today. That's what we've got to see. You can see it happening yeah. more in the communities that we represent. I'm sure you do too down there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that it's, uh, you've hit the nail on the head, really, both of you. I think this issue of trust, it's about 
getting people have got to kind of take ownership of, of what they can and push the politics that they want to see. I fell into politics. People know this because I was so sick of people talking for me who had no possible way of identifying with my day to day experiences, yeah, with the day to day experiences of, of the people who I I know and love and the people in my community. People didn't talk like me. They didn't act like me. They didn't think like me. I still believe that, you know, going to Parliament didn't really change that for me. I found you guys. There's a few. There's a few in there. But I think it's looking into what's going to happen next. There's so many issues that we need to be campaigning around that we need to be organising about, that we need to be supporting those in the community to push forward. We've got the huge issue of housing. And let's not forget that during this pandemic, we saw landlords getting holidays in their mortgage payments, yet still expecting people to cough up their rent. Not all of them, but quite a few. We're seeing the £20 increase, you know, measly amount, but makes a huge amount of difference to people on, on universal credit. We're hearing that that's going to be scrapped in in five months time the impact that will have on the local economy on people's uh, lives and then at the same time and we spoke about this in a lot of detail last week the rich have got richer and richer and richer they have lined their pockets and they have seen their share prices rocket we've now got people who are so rich living on this planet that they you know, it's something ridiculous, the the amount of money that that guy in Amazon earns. And the yep. fact that at the same time, we have key workers. I was out on a, a socially distanced rally the other day for the NHF fighting for a pay rise. And people were going past and they were beeping their horns and fully supporting them. Why are we out there having to beg and make noise about the fact that our key workers, the people who have seen us through this pandemic, deserve to have a pay rise it's all got very confused we need to fight against it the system is completely broken what are we going to do about it ian what are we going to do well, listen the yeah. oscar wilde nearly 200 years 1891 200 years ago two centuries ago laura said there's only one class in the community that thinks more about money than the rich and that is the poor the poor can think of nothing else that is a misery being poor. Now, yeah. their words are very, very powerful indeed. Yeah. 200 years ago, and not a lot of lot, not actually changed. Yeah. Socialism. Well, I agree with John. Things are bleak. But, you know, the past we inherit, the future we build. Very important words as well. It's going to be up to, to people, politicians, to, to rebuild this rotten society, rotten to the core with regards to uh, many, many things. You mentioned the likes of universal credit law. How many people in this country now are on universal credit? Millions, millions of people. And the government are looking to take the £20 extra off them. Does the government, has the Rishi Sunak, has Johnson got any idea what that extra £20 actually means for mm. ordinary people in communities like ours? No, you know, it, it may, could mean the difference for, for a substantial meal for kids putting a bit of bread on the table, maybe he's getting a pair of shoes for the kids to get to school or a, or a decent cure. For heaven's sake, we've got to make sure we actually do level up, level up the right way, by the way, and make sure we look after ordinary people in these communities uh, and, and do it 
without any delay. So that, that, that would be my message. The envelope, of course, do not continue to betray people uh, away from the, the southern districts. Absolutely. We're really lucky today because we are going to have a conversation in a moment with three people who have just been doing exactly the same as so many people have been doing up and down this this country over the last 12 months they've been organizing they've been organizing their community they have been trying to fill in the gaps that have have become exposed and are blatantly obvious due to the failure of 10 years of this government a system that frankly is is broken and does not work we are a country that prioritizes wealth over health and it's been humbling to see how communities have pulled together. And I think I've always said it, politics is everything and everything is politics. And if only people realize the power that they have, we can change the world. And I believe that with people like Caroline and Vicky and Becky, who we're going to speak to in just a moment, I really believe that we can change things. So we're really pleased to be joined today by Caroline Hall, Vicky Oakley, and Becky Vilcek. Ian, you have brought the ones bet massive down, haven't you, to join us today? But there's a really important reason that we uh, wanted to invite you guys on. You've been working your socks off up in your community, making sure that the ones bet Christmas campaign was such a huge success, really. Um, and you, without doubt, I'll, I'll get you to explain a little bit in a moment, but what you three have done... And I'm sure what, well, I know what so many others over the country have done is make a very, very bleak situation for many families a bit better and give a bit of hope and also remind us all that the world can be a very kind of difficult place, very challenging. We can feel like we can't change anything, but with, with the power of people, we can bring positivity. Do you mind if I come over to you, Vicky, and just ask if you could explain a little bit about what it is you guys have been doing? Yeah, so we, it was back in October, we were having a discussion and we were looking at, you know, at the time it was very, still a lot of talk about the free school meals over half term and that type of thing and how the government's failed our children throughout the year. And, you know, in previous years, there's there's no getting away from that. And in one respect, you know, it is really, we've really struggled this year through COVID and through, you know, just a loss of, of identity in a certain way due to everything that's gone on. And we decided that all families needed to, we needed to make sure that every family in Wandsbeck could have a good Christmas this year and to make sure that every child that needed presents had presents, you know, it shouldn't be like this. You know, the government have failed across the country, families and children, but as a community, even people who didn't have very much money themselves still donated presents and it was just absolutely amazing caroline if you were to kind of have the opportunity to have the ear of one of these people down in government to boris johnson or or whichever one you want they're all useless but if you had one of them what would you say to them about what what you've all been doing and and how how that's made you feel with everything that you've seen I think they would run for the hills if I had their ear for five minutes. That is for sure. I just think 
they need to see the actual stark reality of it because it, this has affected absolutely every pay grade in the land. Is there's people who's went from 100% wages down to 80% who have the lifestyles completely changed and it is having a massive impact on so many people. Mm. Is the Christmas campaign? It is. It's one thing. It's a great thing that the people of Wonderfeck have done and stepped up where the government have completely failed. Yeah. Isn't I think they need to see the stark reality of what people are living with day to day and the actual effects that it's having on people. Because at the end of the day, you can plough all the money in the world into recovery schemes and job schemes. But if there's no jobs and employment there, people yeah. don't have hope. And I think schemes like this come along and give people hope and inspire them that actually people care. Because at the, at the minute, the government don't seem to give two hoots unless it's them their friends or businesses that they're involved in or want to support it's wrong but people are really struggling and it just seems unless it's a political campaign or thought opportunities some people are not there for our local community yeah absolutely becky i am i kind of have this thing where the government sometimes when we pick up the pieces in communities by volunteering by organizing it can sometimes let them off the hook um, and we're of course we're always going to do that we do that certainly in my community with regards to the food bank etc because we don't want anybody to go without but the government need to recognize that we shouldn't be scraping around as as Vicky and Caroline have said for for presents for children we shouldn't be having to fight for school meals to keep children's bellies full we shouldn't see this kind of struggle happening and that divide in the in wealth is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. How have you found the people of Wandsbeck, Becky, in your community? How have they reacted to the handling of this pandemic and and kind of, you know, how how have you found their response to your campaign as well? We've just been overwhelmed, really, by the community response. Um, you know, all all businesses and people across Wandsbeck have really got on board with the campaign. And also by people donating gifts and money, they feel very much a part of, of the campaign and, you know, they feel good that they have donated. I mean, being in a working class northern community, um, we understand the daily hardships that people face, but COVID's just exasperated these issues. You know, doing the campaign has been really, really good to sort of get the community rallying around each other. And, you know, hopefully we're going to be continuing this next year as well, because there is a real need in our community. Definitely. John, Ian, is there anything that you kind of wanted to bring in? Because I'll come to you, John, and then I'll, I'll oh, and then I'll bring you in, Ian. First of all, thanks to you three. And everybody who's contributed, you are brilliant. And there's people like you all over our country. And when I think of that bloke, Chris Grayling, who was a Tory minister and he failed at everything, they called him Failing Grayling. They gave him a job. He's already got an MP's pay, by the way. They gave him a job. How many hours a week is he working? Seven. How much money are they paying him? £100,000 a year, which is nearly £300 an hour more than people are earning in a week. I just think the country is just, this government are just, they're not fit to polish the shoes of people like yourselves. And I just want to say thank you. Have a great Christmas and never, ever give up because people like you are an absolute inspiration to every one of us. 
thank you very much definitely definitely and i think it's so it's so key that we link together constantly the fact that the community are working on this but we cannot yeah. get rid of the politics politicians will try and do it all the time especially tory ones they don't want people to look at it as a political issue but of course it is ian you must be very proud of what everybody's achieving in one spec anything that you would like to add you, you better believe it um, um the proudest mp uh, in the commons to have you know the, these three uh, women uh, and, and many others and indeed you know it has been said that the constituency and the, the constituents themselves who have donated some of the some magnificent stuff, you know, it's been unbelievable. But I can't, can't just dispel a widely perceived myth though. When people, the, the, they let the Tories off the hook, you know, when we say, I wish they could see what, what's actually happening in the communities, I wish they understood. They understand, they're not exactly they what's happening in our communities. It, it's, it's, it's a policy. Every policy they develop and push forward, and uh, there's risk assessments, they're not virtually house to house. Uh, what poverty, who's living in the poverty, and every decision they make, they're not the consequences. And we should never let them off the hoop by saying, I wish uh, they the, 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 the don't understand. They do understand, and that's what depresses areas like ours. But listen, Laura, you know, Becky, Caroline, and Vicky, the energy. The effort, the the passion, and the commitment which yeah, they have shown. Yeah. I wish we could bottle this, by the way. Yeah. I really wish we could bottle it and distribute it freely yeah. across the, the whole uh, of the UK and and across the world. These people are absolutely fantastic individuals, uh, and the work and the effort they put in is absolutely amazing. And you know what? There's going to be lots of people in my constituency, lots of kids getting up on Christmas morning. Not actually going to have a present, if not more than a present, and yeah. it's mainly due to the three people that that are on this podcast. Yeah. Absolutely amazing individuals, and on behalf of the whole of the constituency, I, I want to applaud them and thank them for their efforts. As I say, I wish we could bottle that and, and distribute it right across the the, the, the UK and further afield. Yeah. Amazing individuals. Thanks from the very bottom of my heart. I think as well, just before we kind of finish up, I wanted to say that I've, I've never kind of been, I've never not been honest about the situation that I experienced growing up. And Christmases and birthdays were very, very difficult for my parents to be able to provide for four children. And um, I just, what you're doing will make a huge difference. It really will. And I think those kids who and, and when you've got nothing, you appreciate everything. Believe me, they yeah. will wake up happy, happier um, and thinking that there is good in the world. And that's so important right now when everything can feel so bleak. Vicky, Caroline, Becky, anything that you want to add while you've got our podcast before before we close off for Christmas? I just wanted I just want to say that I think our government should be absolutely ashamed. We were yeah. going to doorsteps delivering presents and we had parents crying because they were so grateful that they were going to be able to provide presents for their children at Christmas. Now in what society is that acceptable? In what society is should a government be allowed to get away with that? And you know, the community have been absolutely phenomenal uh, in their donations. We were totally overwhelmed. But it shouldn't have to be. And sadly, it is. Yeah, well absolutely. Well Caroline, 
Um, my message, um, if Mr. Boris Johnson's listening, next uh -huh. time you're in Blythe Valley, pop across and see me and I'll take you around and I'll show you the reality of what people living in poverty are actually like around here. They are mm -hmm. some of the nicest, hardest working people and it's people that are working full time and yeah. still can't afford the basics of life. So next time you're up here, instead of getting your photograph taken and swanning around with the cameras, come and see the reality of it. Because I'll, yeah. I'll more than happily free up my diary to take you around. Oh, I think we'll all come to that, Caroline. <laughs> Becky, last word. Um, just that we need a real living wage and, and green unionised jobs. Uh, desperately, the North is crying out for green unionised jobs. Um, yeah. And the whole exercise as well, just wanted to add, has re-established Labour's roots in, in the community. So, you know, it's it's been a win for us as well as Team Labour. Yeah, well done, you guys. Ian, over to you quickly, and then we've got to start wrapping up for Christmas. Well, Becky's just lined me up there because this is like how we actually organise in the community. This is community organising. It is very best. The Labour Party are very proud of We are proud of what we've achieved. And in Wandsbeck, you know, it wasn't just Becky, Caroline and Vicky there. Obviously, we're, we're leading it, but there was lots of other dedicated people in, in, the, in, in the constituency helping and giving everything they had towards this fantastic project. As I say, very proud of everybody. Community organising at its best. Thank you so much. And John and Ian, thank you. If thank you. all those people who are listening, make sure you share, make sure you continue to follow us, sign up to all the information you can on noholdingback.org. And all that's left to say is have a safe Christmas, dust yourselves off and let's be prepared for the fight back next year. Because my God, we've got some things to fight for. Yeah. I'm up for it. Are you up for it, Ian? Are you up for it, John? Yeah, absolutely. Back, back time. <laughs> We've been fighting all our lives. We can carry on, can't we? And we yeah. will. We will win. Goodness will prevail. Thank you so much. Take care. Merry Christmas. All the best. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. See you in the new year. No holding back and Sovex Low podcast production.